Imagine meeting yourself. Who do you see? Hello and welcome to a bonus episode of Anthology, presented by ObsessiveViewer.com. I'm your host, Matt Hurt, and if this is your first time listening, Anthology is a podcast where I review The Twilight Zone as a first-time viewer and other classic and contemporary science fiction anthology series. In this bonus episode series, I'm reviewing Amazon Prime's new sci-fi anthology series, Solos, created by David Wheel. For archives of all of my episodes, you can visit anthologypod.com. You can also like the Facebook page at facebook.com slash anthologypod and follow me on Twitter at OVAnthologyPod. And if you'd like to support what I do here, you can become a patron at patreon.com slash obsessiveviewer where I have several uh, different tiers to that uh, Patreon level. So to run through them really quick, $1 per month gets you access to exclusive B-roll episodes. Um, in the B-roll episode that accompanies this podcast episode, I'm hopefully going to be talking about Synchronic, the sci-fi thriller starring Anthony Mackie and directed by Justin Benson and Aaron Moorhead, who directed The Twilight Zone Season 2 episode titled Eight. I think it was actually episode six of the season, but the episode title was eight. The Hacking Squid episode. <laughs> so uh, so there's a lot of fun B-roll stuff there. We have like over 100 and at this point, probably like 130 um, B-roll episodes. It's fun, casual kind of stuff. It's tons of content for you guys for just $1 per month. And then if you pledge $2 per month, you get access to those B-roll episodes as well as uh, TV review and reaction episodes that I do on my own. So I have reviews of the first season of Rutherford Falls, the complete series of Superstore, and uh, episode-by-episode recaps of Falcon and the Winter Soldier. And um, coming up... At the time that this episode drops in a couple of weeks, I'm going to start an episode-by-episode review series on Loki. Um, so that is $2 per month. And then if you pledge $5 per month, you get access to everything that I've said before, plus movie commentary tracks and immediate movie reviews that I do. So I have commentary tracks for Sunshine, Captain America Civil War, Seven, Children of Men, Ex Machina, The Shining, Doctor Sleep. I have commentary tracks, full-length commentary tracks for all of those up there now for $5 per month, plus everything else that I said before. And finally, if you pledge $10 per month, you get early access to podcast episodes and previously unreleased content. So at the $10 per month level, you get access to everything that I've said before everything, <laughs> every every single thing that I've said already, plus early access to episodes. So for context, uh, you, if you're listening to this episode the day that it comes out, it's Tuesday, May 25th, I think. Um, if you are a $10 per month uh, subscriber on Patreon, I'm actually releasing this entire bonus episode series um, all at once on May 21st when the series drops, when when Solos drops on Amazon Prime. So if you're not on Patreon at the $10 level, you will get these bonus episodes week to week. But if you are, you get instant access to all seven episodes on May 21st. So um, so yeah, so again, that's at patreon.com slash obsessive viewer. 
anything you can do helps and it all helps to pay the fees to keep the podcast running and uh, it's just something that I really like to do. So again, patreon.com slash obsessive viewer. And uh, yeah, so today on the show, I'm continuing my seven part bonus episode series for the new sci-fi anthology series, Solos, which premiered all of its episodes on May 21st, 2021 on Amazon Prime Video. And in this episode specifically, I'll be reviewing Tom, episode two of the series, which <laughs> I'm so excited to do this because I love doing this, um, <laughs> uh, which stars Anthony Mackie and Anthony Mackie? Um, so, it stars Anthony Mackie as a man with not much time left to live he, who buys a controversial new product that promises his family won't be left alone when he dies. So, of course, as I am want to do on this podcast, I'm going to be spoiling the entire episode. So, make sure you watch it before listening to the show because... I'm going to go ahead and uh, spoiler alert for the review. This episode was excellent. And I really, really want you to watch the episode and then come back and listen to my review because it's got so much heart and it's so heartfelt and so beautiful. And uh, it's, it's, it's a wonderful experience. So go watch it, come back, listen to the review. So, okay, spoiler warning out of the way. Let's get into it. So this episode of Solos, which it's the entire concept of Solos is that it is kind of this... Um, monologue-driven, single-performer science fiction anthology series that kind of gets to the heart of human connection and human uh, the human experience, which is a very in, uh, uh, intriguing concept for me, as that's something that I love about science fiction in general, is how it just comments on the human experience uh, through futuristic... Um, futurism <laughs> and everything. So, uh, so yeah, so... This episode stars Anthony Mackie um, as Tom. Uh, he was previously, obviously, in The Falcon and the Winter Soldier and various Marvel Cinematic Universe movies. He was also in 8 Mile. And he also appeared in Striking Vipers, the episode of Black Mirror, uh, where there's uh, sex with a polar bear um, <laughs> referenced. Um, so... He was also in Altered Carbon, uh, he and the aforementioned Synchronic. Um, very, uh, I really like, I, I, I'll go out and say it, I love Anthony Mackie. I think he is a very talented performer, and this episode of Solos really, really just is on another level for me. So, I've been following his career for a while, and this is a standout of his career, for sure. And I'll get into his performance and everything there, but I'm just super happy to see him do so much stuff and to see, I mean, he's now Captain America. I fucking love that. I'm excited for him and everything. And, um, I'm just really excited to, to see where his career goes from here. And I really hope he does, he continues to do these little like science fiction things in addition to, um, the Marvel Cinematic Universe stuff. Writer and director for this episode is show creator David Wheel, uh, which I'm still not sure if I'm pronouncing that correctly. So, um, David, if you're listening, I apologize if I'm mispronouncing that, and congratulations on the show. So, I don't know if he's listening or not. Um, anyway, so let me go into my review. That's all the, all the character breakdown that I have, or all the talent rundown that I have. And uh, let me go ahead and go into my feelings as a viewer, and then I'll go into beat for beat, my beat for beat review of the episode. So my overall feelings on Tom is that this was an incredibly emotional and powerful episode, and in an, in a unique way. So when I reviewed Leia, um, I, I opined about how it made me miss the festival circuit, which by the way, 
oh, this is, this is, <laughs> it'll be over by the time you guys uh, listen to this, but right now Indie Film Fest is going on and they're doing a meld of um, uh, drive-in screenings and virtual screenings. And I have a pass to it. I'm actually a juror on uh, a couple of the categories and I'm just really excited, but I'm also really missing that film festival like in-person film festival energy. So that's, that is something that, uh, the previous episode, Leia kind of really kind of hit me with in this episode, Tom made me extremely nostalgic for live theater. So I don't really see a lot of live theater in my life or anything. Like I have, uh, my friend and one of my co-hosts on Obsessive Viewer is Kirsten, and she's an actor who does a lot of live performances in live theater, and I always go to see her performances um, to support her and everything and to see just live theater. So, um, on average, probably I've seen maybe one or two performances every year on average, and I, I just, I really love that that atmosphere. It's a little out of my out of out of my kind of knowledge base I guess but I really like the the art of live theater. And this episode really made me miss that because it is so monologue based. It is so it, like the emotion that Anthony Mackie projects while he's delivering his lines that like these uh the dialogue and, and the monologues are just incredibly incredibly insightful to kind of humanity and then what he's going through uh, on a, it's, it's very visceral kind of storytelling. And it's something that is incredibly well suited to a theatrical production because it's just two men who are the same man um, sitting, uh, sitting in a room alone and talking. And it's just, it is beautiful. It's beautiful. So, um, so that really made me miss live theater. This episode did. And it also, <laughs> this, this episode also, very much just made me fall in love with Anthony Mackie as a performer, even more so. Like he nailed this performance so much. I I I am gobsmacked by just how um how great he was in this episode. Like the emotion that he brought forth and the the visceral just emotion is just so, so great. Um so those are my overall feelings. And let me go into the kind of scene by scene um <laughs> review of Tom. And so uh, something that I kind of like about this series is that it's pretty short. Uh, each episode is about 30 minutes. This one, I think, clocked in at 24 minutes. Um, and that's, that's just enough to kind of make you feel comfortable and to really bring out the emotional core of the episode of the monologues and everything. And so this episode, as I thought it would, judging from the first episode, um, it begins with a voiceover from, uh, from Morgan Freeman saying, imagine meeting yourself, who do you see? And so I'm a little, I, I don't know, these these kind of opening things, I, I kind of like them as kind of thesis statements for the episode, uh, for each episode. But I do kind of fear that the intros may wear a little bit thin as the series progresses. And that might be because I made the very wise choice to <laughs> pull each in every every one of them all at once to make the intro files for this review series that I do. Um, and listening to them all in a row felt a little bit like, I don't know, it kind of felt a little cumbersome and a little slapped together. So I don't know. Um, it's a minor nitpick, but we'll see how I feel about it as I go through this review series. Um, but I, I do still like Morgan Freeman's voice. Um, it's really great. Um, obviously he's Morgan Freeman, so he's, he's fantastic. Um, okay. So 
after the opening thing, another thing about actually another thing about the opening kind of theme and uh, title card uh, that we see is that as the screen um, as it, as it uh, zooms out of the solos logo, uh, we see parts of presumably the character's life in 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 the kind of background of each letter. And I thought that was interesting because and and interesting and kind of unique because we don't obviously we don't see any of that. We don't see any of the actual like those parts of the life or anything. It's just something that is an added detail. So I'm kind of I don't know. I felt like it was worth noting, I guess, and kind of interesting. So we see Tom. Uh, it's a close up on Anthony Mackie's face. He's looking at who I've dubbed in my review notes as Robot Tom. And his first thing is, he says, it's wrong. It's wrong. You don't look anything like me. He's suffering buyer's remorse. And uh, then Robot Tom refers to it as, um, I think he he refers to their meeting as a reunion. And Tom takes offense to that. And he says, don't call it that. And right from the outset, we get so much kind of detail <laughs> about this that it's it's interesting because the phrasing, there there are a couple of uh, word choices that are done in the episode um, that I find kind of interesting. So the uh, conflict of calling it a reunion um, and the fact that it's called a reunion early in the episode kind of leads you to think that if you didn't know you were watching a sci-fi anthology series, um, that maybe them calling it a reunion would just say that, oh, they're identical twins. And that's not the case because he is a robot who has been created um, I assume robot. Um, I don't know what the actual vernacular would be or carbon copy clone, whatever, but if for all intents and purposes, I'm saying robot. So, or robot, if, uh, if you want to serlingize it. Um, so, uh, robot Tom refers to it as reunion and Tom gets upset by that and he criticizes it. And I just find that the fact that calling it a reunion is just an interesting, um, semantic element to the to the dialogue in this episode so tom starts criticizing the look of the robot and i really like the back and forth here and how this comes into play a little bit later when the robot kind of kind of dresses tom down a bit but he uh says that your neck looks very fucking necky and your nose is all wrong and all that um and then (laughs) And then uh, the robot says, do you think that this is easy for me? And I really like this, that that Tom says, fuck yeah, it must be easy for you. If you look like me, you must feel like you won the jackpot. <laughs> um, which, I mean, Anthony Mackie is a very handsome man. I, I won't deny that. But I thought that was really funny and a really interesting kind of view into his uh, his ego and pride, I guess. Um and then Robot Tom says, wow, you're an asshole. And I just, I love this back and forth. Just immediately, immediately in this back and forth, we are given um, this very just um, slightly volatile, but overall, like this, we we know that they're on, if not an even uh, playing field, they are at least one in the same so that they know what the other's thinking. They know each other intimately and mentally. Um, so I just, I just really like this, how, um, they have like the clapping back and forth and everything. It's, it's really good. So, uh, Tom kind of relents in the, in the argument just from the outset. And again, this, this, the writing of this episode is so on point and so beautiful because 
I mean, it adheres to every screenwriting kind of trope and everything that you can imagine. Most particularly, like the idea that, okay, come into a scene late and leave it early. And like, that's what this entire episode is. We come into it like right from, uh, from a point where they're already in progress. They're already in, um, in their, in their conversation, in their quote unquote reunion. And it's up to the dialogue and to us to, uh, up to us to infer the backstory and what's going on and everything. And that is such a, such a cool, um, kind of trope or, uh, conceit for, um, storytelling and, uh, screenwriting. So it's, uh, it's just, it's, it's really, it's really compelling the way that it's, uh, the way that it's done. So, um, anyway, um, so Tom, uh, like I said, Tom kind of relents and he says, uh, it's not supposed to be like this. Um, it wasn't supposed to be like this. And robot Tom says something that I found really, uh, really funny. So he says, what did you expect that we'd blow each other? And I thought just as a brief aside, a brief tangent here, I thought that that was pretty funny. And it also reminds me of that old like time travel trope, um, of having sex with yourself in the past or having sex with a copy of yourself. Like there's a, I don't know if it's technically a novella or a short story, but it's called The Man Who Folded Himself, which is really interesting. It's this time travel story about this man who keeps going back in time and he just like the process of going back in time and going back and, uh, and everything, it creates multiple, multiple versions of himself and in the same time frame. And if I remember correctly, it's been, I mean, I probably read that in like 2011. So it's been like at least a decade since I read the story, but he, uh, in the process, he, um, has sex with himself. Um, and I, I always thought that that was an interesting plot element of science fiction. And, uh, I think that it's also something that's done in, uh, John Scalzi's, um, book Red Shirts, which I wasn't really a big fan of. Um, uh, and I, it's kind of drawn me away from reading any more of his stuff. I should probably give it another go or check out, uh, some of his other stuff. Cause I know he's inc- incredibly popular, but anyway, it happens in Red Shirts. And to be honest, I never really understood that science fiction trope, like the, idea of, of if you encounter yourself, you would be compelled to have sex with yourself. I, I don't know what that, uh, uh, I, I don't, I don't know. I don't, I don't, I don't get that per se. I guess it's, it's an interesting kind of window into kind of a narcissistic kind of thing or, or even just, um, uh, I mean, self-pleasure and <laughs> I mean, it's technically like masturbation, but I don't know. I'm getting away from it, but I just thought it was an inter- interesting kind of if not homage, then just reference to a pretty popular uh, bit of science fiction or a pre- pretty popular science fiction trope. So, Tom goes on to, this is the point where Tom is basically bringing us up to speed by talking to the robot about what's what's happening. So, he says that his doctor recommended that he watch some of the reunions online. And he references uh, a clip that he saw on the Today Show. And he refers to Hoda Kotb as uh, a national treasure. Which, that's a recurring reference that, I don't know, kind of like the can you hear me now bit in the first episode. It doesn't quite land for me. Like, I have i don't really watch the Today Show or I don't really, I mean, it's its not something that's in my sphere of viewing. Um, however, I didn't have as much of a problem with it as uh, the can you hear me now thing in the first episode. Because it's not really as big a reference as the Verizon thing. So, that's thats good. its It's all good. 
So Tom goes on to say that he saw an elderly woman who had ovarian cancer, quote unquote, reuniting with her exact copy. And he remarks on how beautiful it was and says that they were crying and holding hands and her family was there. And that's what kind of sold him on spending the $30,000 for his copy. And, uh, and I, and that's, that's interesting, kind of an interesting kind of little, uh, slight commentary on capitalism and, uh, and kind of can uh, like marketing and everything, um, as the robot goes on to describe it here in a bit. But, um, I just thought that was kind of an interesting kind of thing. Like, okay, he was sold on this by a piece of television that was pretty much designed to sell him on it. So I thought that was kind of interesting. And so the robot calls it a reunion again. And Tom corrects him again. And he says, I don't know, call it a, a business meeting. And I just really like the way that he stutters there in, in that scene. I thought that was a really good touch for, uh, for Anthony Mackie. So, uh, the robot says most of, most of the time these are done at home. And then it's so interesting that at that point, Tom kind of lashes out on him a little bit. He says, I would never let you go near my family. And then that's, that's an interesting kind of show of strength. Um, that it doesn't really, I don't really know how much sense it makes. Um, because I mean, it's not like they, it's not like they know it's, it's not like he is replacing himself without his family knowing, like he knows that this, this robot is supposed to be, um, be something that would kind of live on as something that he like of memory of him. So it's not like, it's not like he's, uh, secretly, um, it's not like he's secretly replacing himself so that his family doesn't know that he died, but I don't know. But anyway, so he says, I would never let you near my family. And I thought that that was interesting because immediately after that, he goes into a coughing fit and classic storytelling in the visual medium, (laughs) but coughing means he's dying. And, uh, I just thought that the juxtaposition of that, of having this show of strength and authority, um, where he is, where he is trying to kind of flex on, on the robot, just immediately undercut by this coughing fit and the, just the realization that yes, he is going to die. Like he has a finite amount of time on earth and that's why he spent $30,000 to make sure that his family isn't, uh, isn't consumed entirely by grief at his passing and has something to remember him by. So, um, then I think the robot says this was never going to be like the Today Show. And he said he explains, this is the capitalism thing that I mentioned, he explains that it's because the company chose that old lady, like specifically, because she was old, she was, she was friendly, she was sweet, she was from Akron, Ohio. <laughs> um, and, uh, and it is just like she, like it was designed to sell the product. And the robot then calls him an asshole again. And this time it kind of brings Tom back down to earth and, uh, sort of like the entire, the entire, this entire scene, this entire kind of robot thing talking about, um, the capitalism side of it kind of brings Tom back down to earth, but Tom's not sold on it. He wants to call customer service. <laughs> and, uh, this is a nice, like, bit of levity in it because he is, it's, it's kind of showing that he is, he is, he's not as in control of the situation as he wants to be. Like he is, it's, it's him losing sight of why he did this. So he calls customer care. And as he's going through the prompts and everything, um, he says he doesn't know his account number. And then he's like, Oh, I guess, yeah, I can get it from the robot. So, <laughs> um, 
I just really like the way that he plays as as Robot Tom. I really like how Anthony Mackie plays this super pleased with himself way that he uh, that he presents himself in this moment because he's just kind of like I think at that point he picks up the apple and sniffs it um because he's just kind of waiting for tom to cool down and uh when he's prompted for the account number he just says it, and he says it with this kind of like this kind of like shit-eating grin on his face a little bit maybe not quite shit-eating grin but like this just this glare in his eye and this smirk that is just like like yeah i have the upper hand here you are being unreasonable let's get to the point where this let's get to the reason why we're here um and stop dilly-dallying so as almost as if it's an extension of that, the actual call to customer service does not go well because Bennett, the CSR customer service representative, um, refers to uh, to Tom's asshole quotient that is apparently built into his um, to his profile and his account and everything. And I thought that was a pretty uh, it was a funny kind of bit of low key humor in uh, in that. And um, uh, and then we get another. Um, we get. I think this is the first recurrence of the Hodokapi kind of running thing through it. Um, he just yells into the phone. This is supposed to be more like Hodokapi, and like I, I thought that that was charming. That was a lot of fun. That was actually a really fun bit of levity. And the fact that we go into a deep emotional kind of journey after this point um, is really, really just something. The way that it plays with the tone, like going from this kind of funny bit. Um, and this power struggle between these two identical people into this emotionally just fraught conversation is just really, really good, um, really good pacing, really good storytelling, really good writing. And it's just it's it's beautiful. So um, after the phone call, Tom asks the robot about his asshole quotient being a seven and the robot goes through. Uh, <laughs> I forgot about this. <laughs> Um, so Tom says, I'm not an asshole. And then the robot says, you called your daughter's friend a dipshit in a text to your wife like yesterday. And he says, See, she is a dipshit. And he says like, she's seven or she's five or something like that. I just, again, the humor was really, really worked for me. Um, and he explains that the asshole quotient is like this algorithm that kind of explains like what level of asshole you are, like certain things bring you at a six and certain things bring you to a seven, all that. Um, so then that's when things get a little bit serious and that's when the robot reveals that he spoke to Tom's mom and he shares some sweet innocuous things when Tom asks him what she said, things like, um, like you were stubborn in this way, uh, she caught you masturbating to the Powerpuff Girls, um, and just like kind of sweet innocuous things and nostalgia things. And then this is before he throws down the serious stuff in the conversation. Um, stuff like saying that she says that she's angry with him and she doesn't understand why Tom hasn't called her in five months. And that's when Tom asks the robot if she hates him. And so, so Tom thinks that she, that his mother hates him because he's quote unquote leaving. And, um, this is Tom kind of, coming to terms and, and starting to confront his mortality. And uh, he explains kind of indirectly what we're meant to infer is that he is internalizing this pain. And this this pain of the, of his, imp- his impending death is being internalized to him and he leaves him feeling defeated and everything. And I really like the way that Robot Tom kind of comforts and corrects him. He says, like, you're not leaving. It's not your choice. Um, 
it's just it's your time is up and everything and i really like the language here like i said like um like i said about the um reunion word choice the language here where he says that he's leaving it's it's an interesting word choice because for on two fronts one because it's not like harsh it's just like this uh, it's granted it is kind of corrected by the robot saying that you're not leaving you're just you know you're you're passing away like it's not you're not leaving it's not your choice and everything you're not making the choice to leave your family or anything but the idea of using that word leaving while he is also leaving behind a robot version of himself to live on um in his family's memory is just really just uh interesting word choice and interesting semantics for the for the episode i think and then um yeah, I said two fronts, but I think they're somewhere mixed in there. Anyway, um, so uh, Robot Tom reassures Tom and says that his mother loves him and says that she's angry and just wants him to call her. And uh, that's kind of left open-ended. We don't know if he calls her. I'm assuming that he does. And uh, just something something about that just uh, really rings true and, and seems kind of... Uh, beautiful this moment where the robot comforts and and corrects him uh which isn't the first time he does that in this episode which we'll get to in a bit so after probably one or two tangents i'm sure so um robot tom says that he knows tom they kind of go into this whole kind of thing um but he in the interest of kind of uh like keeping time of the essence (laughs) Uh, the robot says we uh says like let's get down to business we only have 15 minutes and at that point, it's kind of like a real-time aspect to the to the story, which I thought was pretty cool. So, St- Tom immediately starts talking about his business accounts and business stuff that he needs. Um, and it's kind of vague, but I don't mind it. We don't need to know the intricacies of his business dealings of the last 15 years or anything. But he says, like, oh, yeah, this account needs to be done this and all that. And then the robot's like, no, you, you're talking to a robot. I've analyzed everything that you've ever done, every record and everything. Like, I know all of this stuff. It's a simple algorithm. And there's a little bit of bite back with Tom saying that I spent 15 years building this portfolio and everything. Um, and Tom, robot Tom is just like, yeah, it's just reduced to an algorithm. It's not that big of a deal. And I really like the line that where he says, it's amazing what we spend our time doing. And that line just kind of hit with hit me in a, in a really uh, profound way. I thought it was really cool. Um, and kind of on that same topic, um, <laughs> I'm going to go into a tangent. So um, this episode is incredibly similar in concept to the uh, season two Black Mirror episode, Be Right Back, um, which I covered in Anthology Bonus Episode 4 way, way back in October of 2016. That is mind-blowing to me. So this idea, and it's present in that Black Mirror episode, and it's hinted on here, where, like, Robot Tom talks about how he has he has read read millions of his correspondence. He has analyzed every, his entire internet presence in every 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 kind of digital artifact that he has left behind on the internet um, and in his personal email accounts and all that stuff. And I got to say, I just, in, in general terms, I really like the concept. Um, and this is going to be kind of tricky. I really like the concept of an AI or an Android being able to pour over an endless stream of internet behavior to learn about a single individual. Now I'm going to say that with a ca- caveat because it's fucking terrifying <laughs> And it's also what's happening on a small scale every single day, every single time that we post anything online. It is, I mean, it is a pervasive thing that is real. 
But the concept of a machine doing all of that in order to emulate or approximate a person's behavior and mind is intriguing to me when in the concept of these science fiction constructs. So, like I said, Anthology bonus episode four, uh, where I covered Black Mirror episode Be Right Back in October 2016. Like, that episode of Black Mirror does this as well. Like, it analyzes um, Donald Gleason's entire internet presence and everything, text messages, everything, and approximates his, you know, his personality from that. And it's touched on here in this episode of Solos that the robot has analyzed all of the correspondence, all of the, the data and everything. And I think that specifically why, like the, I think that, I think that that alone is specifically why I'm so interested in that type of storytelling or that type of data mining in science fiction, because, and I'm going to say this um, really quick. I'll, I'll be really brief because my own life between June 21st, 2013 and today's recording, which is May 10th, 2021, uh, which is just shy of eight years, or <laughs> to me, to be more exact, it is 2,880 days. <laughs> Within that span of time, I have recorded and released a total of 530 podcast episodes between uh, Obsessive Viewer, Anthology, and Tower Junkies. And in addition to that, like all of that, 530 podcast episodes amounts to 32 days and one hour and change worth of audio content that is readily available on the internet. Like, like I have 30, 32 days of my voice on the internet. <laughs> and in addition to that, I have 173 pieces of content from on on Patreon behind the Patreon paywall and that amounts to 4 days and 5 hours worth of audio. So I don't know, it's something that speaks to me on a profound level when I see this type of storyline in science fiction because I I think what it comes down to is I just really like the idea of having a like in terms of my own podcasting and my own my own journey as a podcaster um <laughs> i just really like having that as a benchmark of my time here like on earth like i really like the idea of my podcasting being a legacy of my time here like when that when i quote unquote leave um, or die um all of my hundreds and hundreds of hours of my podcasting and my by extension like a little snippet of my personality is going to live on as long as someone pays the bills um, for the hosting fees or finds a way to do that without having to spend money. Anyway, um, that's going to live on on the internet. And I just think that that's kind of neat. That's something that I don't think a lot of people really have. Um, and it's just something that I think about on occasion. And this episode of Solos kind of brought that out. And as well as uh, on to a lesser extent, that episode five years ago that I what, when I covered it on um, uh, anthology, the uh, episode of Black Mirror. So I don't know. Anyway, I just found that interesting. And then, so the next, <laughs> and to undercut that entirely, the next line, <laughs> the robot says, "I like he he is he has found all of this data. He has analyzed all this data." But he needs things that can't be measured, viewed, or seen. Um, and he needs to talk to him specifically. He needs to know exactly, like, he needs to know about his life. And he says, uh, well, well, like, really, this is where the episode really takes off for me and goes into this emotional, emotionally resonant kind of storyline. So, Robot Tom basically needs to know the emotional side of Tom's life. And he starts by asking how he met his wife. And... 
uh, Tom's like, well, you know, and everything. And he's like, it's not about, it's not about knowing when, like how you met. It's about how you tell me how you met. And I thought that was just a really charming and profound uh, line of dialogue uh, as well. So this is where the episode really comes together and pulls at our heartstrings. It's when Tom starts talking about his family. And first up, he talks about his wife. And I I mean, it's kind of, um, <laughs> I don't know, it's maybe kind of hokey to use this term and everything, but I mean, this performance, it is a tour de force. I mean, Anthony Mackie is, I'll make a stupid joke, um, Anthony Mackie, more like Anthony Immaculate Performer. Um, I'm so sorry. Anthony, if you're listening, I'm sorry. Anyway, um, so, uh, Anthony Mackie just nails, like, it is, it is, it is incredible, his performance here. So he starts talking about Kelly and says, uh, he starts out kind of lighthearted saying that she's allergic to meat, but that doesn't mean that she's a vegetarian. Um, and, uh, and, and then the robot's like, so do I cook, cook her meat or do I not? And then he's like, you're fucked either way. I thought that was, that was really nice, like, back and forth. Um, so these are monologues about Tom's family that Anthony Mackie performs and the emotion that Anthony Mackie brings to these monologues about Tom's family just confirms that this dude is an amazing, amazing actor. Like when he starts talking about, um, the way that Kelly is, is, uh, is self-conscious about her voice, but she's a beautiful singer and she will intentionally kind of fake being a bad singer uh, because she's so insecure about it. Um, as he's going through that whole spiel and he's talking about her, he kind of ends that like train of thought with, I'm going to miss hearing her sing. And huh, that is, it, it is so touching because he is in an impossibly vulnerable state. Um, he is, he's starting to, to lay out like what his, like he's, he's talking to him. He's talking to himself right before he dies. And this is something that is just so heartrending and just beautiful. And it's a combination of the way that the, the, the dialogue and the storyline and the, the screenwriting really kind of brings us into that. But it's also amplified by Anthony Mackie's just visceral performance here. It's just, it's really incredible. And, it's like, it just, it just brings us into this emotional, uh, this emotional style. So he, when he starts talking about how great of a mom Kelly is, Anthony Mackie does this thing where his voice breaks just a little bit. And, um, and then like he, he starts tearing up and the tears start rolling. It's just all just magnificent. And like the ending of, oh my God, it's like, it is, it is absolutely just stunning because the dialogue when it ends on it is he says, um, you can't be mad that, that the kids want her to tuck them in or want them to t- want her to tell them a story or they come to her when, when they need something or something, because he says, it's just different. And I can't get mad because, uh, like he's, he says that, says that they love her more than, more than me. And I can't get mad because I would love her more than me too. And then he says, I do love her more than me. And, huh, like if you can hear my voice just shaking a little bit is because I'm welling up with tears right now <laughs> because that is just such a beautiful and painful sentiment, knowing what he is going through and knowing what he is like he's faced with. 
is just it is stunning to me it is it is incredible and then and then he reveals that that's why he paid the $30,000. It wasn't necessarily because of the Today Show. It was because he didn't want Kelly to be alone. And I kind of inferred from that that he wants her to be okay with his passing because he can't bear to leave her behind because he loves her so much. And just stunning. Absolutely just beautiful, beautiful storytelling. Um, and just and incredibly well acted by Anthony Mackie. And then... In a sense, like, and then, and then the conversation shifts to her farting and everything, and that's kind of cute, I guess. Um, but it doesn't really, to the show's credit, it doesn't drag down any of the, um, it doesn't drag down any of any of the, um, uh, the drama of that at all. So, be- just beautiful, beautiful stuff. So, next up, he talks about his son Wilder, and he's just beaming with pride. <laughs> It's just, it's so beautiful. He says that his kid's a genius and he talks it like he says like, well, you know, everyone says that their kid's a genius. Like, you know, you know, everyone thinks that their kid's a genius. Well, you don't know because you're a robot, but like just the way that, the way that um, Anthony Mackie in, infuses in his, in his read of those lines, this sense of pride into this part of the monologue is just a thing of absolute beauty. It reminds me uh, there's a video that I saw of, um, and this is so this is so cute and touching and everything. Slight spoilers for Avengers Endgame, but um, he, I guess he, there was a video where he was talking about how he saw Avengers Endgame with his son, and obviously there's a part at the end of Avengers Endgame where he is handed the Captain America shield, and. Oh, I can't remember exactly how it went down in the video, but he says that, uh, yeah, I took my son to see it and everything. And, and then, uh, and then he said like, oh, you're Captain America now. And, uh, and I'm like, yeah, yeah, I am. And he's like, cool. And like, he said, he said like, okay, well, I, I mean, like Anthony Mackie was like, I, I kind of thought it would be a bigger deal, but, but okay. And everything. And then he talks about how a little bit later, like a, a few days later, his son called him and was like, Hey, I just realized like the impact of that and why it's so important and everything. And I'm just really, I think he said like he was really proud of him or something. It was just a very sweet thing. And then like Anthony Mackie's like, he started crying and I started crying and everything. Just, just really a beautiful like fatherhood moment. And so I bring that up because this sense of, like I said, the sense of pride that Anthony Mackie infuses into, into his monologue about his son, Wild, the, the Tom's son, Wilder, in the episode is just very organic and, and just beautiful and just, just feels so genuine. And it's just, it's beautiful the way that he performs it. So he goes on to say that uh, Wilder will go down a, a, a Wikipedia wormhole for like a week and become an expert on the most random things. And he name checks a couple of things. And then he says, then he, then the, his register drops down a little bit and he says, or lymphoma, lymphoma. And he says that as an example. And like the pain when he says that, just one word, when he just infuses that with so much pain and just, just, um, I don't, I don't want to say fear, but just like this, this pain within that, um, is, is just so visceral. And it just, it just really just feels so, so beautifully, beautifully performed. And so then he goes into this whole spiel about how Wilder has a great imagination and says that, Tom says that uh, when Wilder is playing with toys and he knows that Tom is watching, uh, he'll name the toys Dad and Wilder. Um, 
and he'll put them, he'll take them on huge adventures and everything and just really just, just the most incredible adventures and everything. And I just like, <sighs> Robot Tom's response to this is so beautiful and it is so like, it's such a human reaction. And I think that that is such a beautiful piece of storytelling because Robot Tom comforts Tom um, by saying that he thinks Wilder just does that. It's not because he knows Tom is watching. He just does that. Um, and just like that simple, like little, like piece of comfort and uh, kind of slight correction to Tom is just stunning and, and beautiful and everything. So then he starts talking about his daughter, Peg, which if you know the uh, episode titles, um, uh, you, you may kind of infer something about Peg, but um, it, like the, the kind of change up in that where he is, he just talks about how, uh, like he, he says, she's the boss man. Like she's queen of the castle. She's, she's in charge of everything. She's great. And um, just, it's, it's so just warm and loving and it's just so, just so beautiful. Um, and there is something, there is something so delicate and beautiful to the way that he, offhandedly refers to when he first got Peg in his arms. So it kind of sends chills down my spine when he refers to the adop- the adoption agency delivering her because I, I I don't know anything about adoption or anything <laughs> but it's such it my kind of understanding of it uh, like the experience of adopting a child is such an intensely personal and beautiful thing. Um, just in terms of just general kind of actions that a human can take, like uh, choosing to adopt uh, a child who may not have a mother or father or have parents or like n- doesn't have the opportunity to have a family and then choosing to adopt that person into your family and creating just a family unit with this adopted child is just, it's a intensely personal and beautiful thing. And the way that the show just mentions it kind of offhandedly is, is really sweet because it's not putting attention on it. Because I think there's like this subtle underlying thing where it's like, yeah, it's normal. Like an adopted child is just as, um, important and just as, uh, just, just as influential in your family as a biological child. And I just think that there's, there's this, this subtlety to that, that is just, is really beautiful and, and heartwarming. And like I said, it sends chills down my spine the way it's just casually referred to and everything. So I, I don't know. But anyway, uh, he talks about how Peg's not scared of anything. And he says, which sounds like something you'd want from your kids, but, uh, you want them to be scared of certain things because otherwise you have to watch them all the time. And I really like how this paints Peg as an adventurous spirit. And also the way that uh, Robot Tom is like, well, you would want to watch her all the time now. like Because the finite amount of time that he has left on Earth means that he would he would give anything to be able to watch her all the time. And then this next thing is like the the button of beauty in this episode we're kind of coming close to the end which is nice because i am about an hour away from going to the movie theater uh hashtag vaccinated yay anyway um so uh he shows robot tom the secret handshake and there's just this beauty to that this 
um, this just this kind of warmth and comfort because now, I mean, he's he's showing him how to do this this secret handshake so that he can then do it with Peg after Tom has passed, and it's just like this shared intimacy that they have, the robot and Tom, that just feels just so so beautiful, and the music swells up. It has this just beautifully emotional score it's just like in that moment i was just like this episode is freaking incredible like i love it so much um it's it's really great and then we kind of get toward the kind of denouement of it a little bit so robot tom says it sounds nice it all sounds nice and tom's like what does and he says being here being you and like that seems like such a sweet and sincere interaction. And in a sense, Robot Tom kind of becomes this kind of therapeutic sort of presence for Tom. He's, he's lessen, I guess, I guess to a certain extent, he's lessening the blow of being a, uh, of, of Tom having to, uh, confront his, uh, his mortality and everything. He's lessening that, lessening that and, kind of giving him comfort in knowing that it's not going to like, he's, he's leaving his family in good hands. So, um, then they kind of get a little bit more real. Um, Tom tells, uh, robot Tom that he's happy he's here. And then robot Tom says that he's nervous that he won't be just like Tom, that he'll be imperfect. And I, uh, Tom's response to that, where he says, then you'll be just like me. Because he's imperfect and he's not a perfect person. Like that, again, voice cracking, my eyes welling up with tears. Just such a beautifully candid human interaction. And this sense of self-awareness that Tom has is just so, just so incredibly moving and resonant. It's, it's incredible. I love it so much. And so Tom then levels with Robot Tom and says he's worried that they'll forget about him. And that the robot will replace him um, in their heart and everything. And again, another just incredibly human response from Robot Tom, where he reassures him that he won't do everything exactly like Tom. Like when he kisses Peg goodnight, he'll kiss her on the cheek two times instead of three times. When uh, Wilder wants, um, wants ice cream, he'll get a different brand. Just so that for a moment, just for a moment, they'll remember... Tom the way Tom was and they'll recognize that that he's not the same but he is there for them and then and then god damn and then <laughs> and then Tom's like well what if they send you back what if they think you're defective and everything and robot Tom says I still would have been Kelly's husband wild and pig's father for a little bit and god damn it that was so beautiful just I mean tugging at the heartstrings just absolutely beautiful beautiful and so the episode comes to a close with them agreeing that they're both the luckiest man in the world. And it ends on this very sweet note um, where Tom levels with robot Tom and says, this, this feels right. This is, this is, this is right. And Tom <laughs> robot Tom says, I'm sorry. I called you an asshole. Uh, you're just a person, a human being, and that's okay. And God damn it. If that line did not just hit home with me and hit, hit me in such a deep level. Um, and then they kind of end it with the, with them, uh, God, it's astoundingly beautiful episode overall. Like they end it with them saying, I'm glad I got you. I'm glad I'm you. And me too, me too. Um, and that's it. That's the end of the episode. Um, I love this episode so much. I am 
so enamored with this episode, so just blown away by Anthony Mackie's performance. Absolutely astounding performance. And I'm recording this in a vacuum. I am, I have, like I said, I have screeners for this. So I'm recording this May 10th. And so the show is dropping in 11 days on Amazon Prime. And I can't wait for people to watch this episode in particular because it is so incredibly moving. I mentioned to my friend Mike, who is one of my co-hosts on Obsessive Viewer and Tiny, I mentioned to them, like, I was like, hey, uh, I have screeners for the show. Um, uh, Anthony Mackie's in it, and I can't say anything about it because I'm under embargo, but you guys got to watch this episode because it is incredible. <laughs> and so I really, really hope they watch it, especially Mike, because Mike is incredibly family-focused, and I think he'll get a lot out of it. And Tiny, too, obviously. Um, it's just, it's such it's such a beautiful, beautiful episode. So... I think that will do it. I'm going to go see a couple of movies and then record with Mike t- uh, tomorrow. But anyway, um, so that's it for episode two of this bonus episode review series um, on solos. Um, I am so excited to watch more. And I mean, whew, this is this is incredible. And And to kind of talk a little bit about the 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 way that it made me pine for the live theater experience these monologues between these two characters, these two, this actor who is doing two roles, it just feels so much like, like something that would be just beautifully done on a a stage. Um, Really, really incredible. And it makes me miss live theater so much. Uh, So hopefully that can go back to normal at some point. So anyway, that'll do it for this uh, bonus episode of Anthology. Thank you guys so much for listening. Once again, if you pledge $10 on Patreon, you get access to all the rest of these episodes right now uh, before they release. So I'm releasing these bonus episodes every Tuesday. Um, and yeah, so check that out. And uh, yeah, I'm going to go ahead and play myself out. I hope you guys have a great rest of your day. And thank you guys so much for listening. And uh, I'll see you next time either on the main feed or the bonus episodes. So thank you guys for listening and I'll see you next time. And now here's a short clip from our Patreon exclusive RSS feed to hear the full clip and more exclusive Patreon content, go to patreon.com slash obsessive viewer and become a patron at the minimum rate of $1 per month. Thank you and enjoy. But one of the interesting things about season six is that Season six takes place and was filmed and was was released in 2020, uh, fall 2020, and into spring of 2021. And Pizza is messing with the um, the the mic stand, and I'm I'm really irritated by that. So anyway, um, the season begins with an episode that is just season six begins with an episode that is all. Um, kind of an overview of the pandemic through the characters experiences at, at cloud nine in, in the store. And it goes from, it it is an, a very interesting time capsule of 2020 in, in view of the pandemic. And what is interesting is because it is that. Anthology is edited and produced by Matt Hurt and presented by obsessiveviewer.com. For a full archive of our episodes, go to anthologypod.com slash archive. You can also like the Facebook page at facebook.com slash anthologypod and follow the show on Twitter at OVAnthologyPod. 
If you enjoy the show, please take a couple minutes to leave us a rating and a quick review on Apple Podcasts. This is the easiest way to support what we do, and all it costs is a little bit of your time. If you'd like to donate to the podcast, you can make a PayPal donation at anthologypod.com donate, or support us on Patreon for recurring donations and access to commentary tracks and B-roll audio recorded exclusively for patrons at patreon.com slash obsessiveviewer. Every donation goes toward paying the fees to keep the podcast running and is greatly appreciated. Official Anthology merch, including shirts, mugs, phone cases, and more can be found in the Obsessive Viewer's Tee Public store. You can find a link to the store in the show notes of this episode and at anthologypod.com donate. Or you can simply search for Obsessive Viewer at teepublic.com. For information about the Obsessive Viewer's annual live event showcasing short horror films from local filmmakers, check out shocktoberinirvington.com. And for an archive of all our events, as well as news about potential future events, head over to obsessiveviewer.com slash live. For more podcast content, you can find our flagship movie and TV review and discussion show, The Obsessive Viewer Podcast, at obsessiveviewer.com, and on Twitter at obsessiveviewer. You can also find Tower Junkies, a podcast where Matt and co-host Tiny share their love of all things Stephen King and his magnum opus, The Dark Tower series, over at TowerJunkiesPod.com and at TowerJunkiesPod on Twitter. And finally, check out The Secular Perspective, Tiny's side project podcast, which tackles current events and life's big questions from the perspective of secular hosts Chad and Amanda at TheSecularPerspective.com. Bumper music for this podcast comes courtesy of As Good As It Gets, which can be found at facebook.com slash asgoodasitgetsband. You can also find As Good As It Gets music on Spotify, Google Play, and iTunes. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you next time. Kitty! (laughs) 